Welcome to the Metal Bob Live Podcast. I am your host, Metal Bob. Today's show is brought to you by Legend Picks and also artist Jeremiah Kalik. You can find links to our sponsors and more at the Metal Bob Live website. There you can also find the latest Metal Bob gear, including shirts, hoodies, and more. On today's show, I had the honor of speaking with vocalist George Call of the bands Aska, Cloven Hoof, and also Banshee. We discuss all three bands and more. So sit back, have a listen, and enjoy the show. Thank you. All right, on the phone with me is Mr. George Call. How you doing, George? I am doing great, brother. Doing great. So, hey, man, I see that you, uh, so you're re- you recently got with the, uh, well, I don't know if it's recent, but Cloven Hoof, man. You want to give us a little insight on uh, how you hooked up with those guys? Absolutely. Um, I hooked up with them. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been a fan of the band since uh, high school, since I was in high school, where uh, we discovered that, you know, the first album there with uh, Laying Down the Law and Cloven Hoof and uh, Night Stalker, all those fun tracks. Um, but uh, so I, I was a longtime fan of the band. And, um, we were playing a show in uh, Germany when, uh, you know, Aska, when my band Aska was playing a show in Germany, and I saw that they were going to be on the bill. They were one of the bands on the on the bill. And they were, uh, on top of everything else, they were playing the same day that we were, according to the bill. So um, before we left the States for Germany, I made sure that I brought my, uh, my Cloverleaf CD covers, you know, um, because... Uh, I wanted to get them signed, and I brought them with me, and uh, we played our show. And as it happened, they were on right after us uh, on the on the bill in the lineup, and um, we had come off stage. We we're in the green room, and uh, and we were pretty excited. We, you know, our show went really well, and uh, we had a really great reception. And as we were, uh, you know, changing and putting our guitars and gear up, I um, I wondered. You know, I asked. Uh, ask a bass player Keith Knight. I'm like, man, I, where's Cloven Hoof? I, I thought they should be here by now, you know, because they're up next. And uh, Keith kind of goes, here, this, I think this is them right here. And I turned around and I saw these guys uh, changing into their stage gear. And, uh, and I immediately recognized Lee Payne and, uh, of Cloven Hoof. And I said, hey, are you uh, Lee Payne of Cloven Hoof? And uh, he said he was. And immediately, you know, I went from there. Um, I told them you know, I was a huge fan and uh, would they mind signing uh, my CD covers that I brought with me, uh, you know, from the U.S. And, and he did, and, you know, we hit it off. And um, apparently he'd been out there watching us um, before, uh, before you know, when, when we were playing, before their set started. And um, he, uh, I guess he liked what he saw because, um uh, you know, I, I offered, I told him that, uh, Hey, if you ever need, you know, help doing anything, whatever, you know, dude, I'm, I'm available for you. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I, I love your band. And, uh, but he had, he had watched me perform. He's like, wow, you're that great singer, man. I just saw you you're fantastic and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, so it was kind of, uh, you know, the, the admiration I already had for the, for Club Hoof, I was getting back from Lee. And then, um, a few months later, we were back in Germany for uh, the Sword Brothers Festival. And once again, uh, we were on the same bill together. And um, I guess a week or maybe with less than a week to go before the show, we got um, I got a, a call 
um, or an email from Lee Payne of Clover Roof saying that um, some of their guys had, had quit the band and, and whatever. And would we learn, would we, uh, would ask him mind learning some Clover Roof songs to play on stage with them at the Sword Brothers because they weren't going to cancel, um, even though they'd, they'd suffered some, you know, band member attrition there. So uh, I said, of course, yeah, I would love to. And, um, you know, we learned some songs. And um, on the, you know, a week or two later when we were in Germany for Sword Brothers, we actually got together and went up on stage with the band and played the songs so that uh, Lee and the singer Russ North could get up there and, um, you know, do their set, do at least try to salvage some of their set. And, uh, you know, we learned the songs that uh, we totally learned, and um, it went over well. And right after that, uh, Lee contacted me, asked me to help him uh, do some demos um, because Russ was, uh, I don't know, having trouble with Russ, and he was leaving the band. He was wanting to quit the band or whatever. So um, I helped him. I started, I did some uh, demos. He liked it. And uh, um, from from that point, you know, and, and Russ did leave the band. They got another singer, uh, Joseph Whelan, in there. He did an album with them. But um, he went off to do X Factor. You know, you, you know that show that, you know, American Idol, right? Um, yeah, X Factor. That'd be and, the British uh, version? Yes. The, right. The, the British version of American Idol. And, uh, so Joe went off to do that, and um, so then Lee asked me to uh, start working on a on an album for Cloverleaf, and uh, which I immediately agreed to do. And uh, he started sending me the tracks, and uh, so we started working on it um, collaboratively. You know, them in, in England and me in, in the U.S. Me and the actually African drummer Danny White um, also he worked on it too. Um, and we ended up, uh, we put out, I guess, my first Cloverleaf record entitled uh, Who Mourns for the Morning Star in 2017, I, do, I believe it was. Um, and then, uh, two, or was it, yeah, 2018, maybe. 2017 or 2018. And, um, and that's how it started, you know. I, I did that first record with them, and now I'm on... Uh, working on my third album for Clover Love at present. So it, it worked, you know, man, I tell you, buddy, I don't, I don't know how you do it, man. You, you, you sing for a lot of different outfits, brother. <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, I'm currently in Aska, Clover Love, Banshee, and, um, you know, one more, uh, I've got another, uh, project going with, um, Scott Dollar of dangerous toys called the uh, Legion of the dog. But that's in a, you know, in a, we're still in the writing stages for an album there. So, but um, right now, just three bands that I'm, you know, full time that are actually working bands, recording bands, and touring bands, you know. Um, and that's Aska Banshee Club. Enough. But, uh, you know, you got to, if you love something, you know, and uh, you got to do it, time is finite, you know, it runs out. And, um, you know, my, my aim is to, as much rock and roll as time allows me, you know, as, as my voice and, uh, and, um, you know, time on this earth allows. So I want to just want to get as much done as I can, uh, you know, before, uh, before I'm in the grave. 
<laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know what, what buddy, you, you keep yourself pretty busy, man. You put out some solid records too. I I wanted to comment on that last Banshee album, The Madness, man. That was flipping amazing. I mean, and that was the follow up to Mind Slave, which was also another killer album. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I'm I'm glad that uh, you liked it. We're we're very happy, you know, um, getting a a chance to do you know two Banshee records, and right now, uh, Terry Dunn is currently started writing album number three. So, um, hopefully, we'll uh, at some point this year we'll get uh, in the studio and start working on that, start recording it, you know, Great. start laying it down. Yeah, Terry, he's a cool dude, man. I've I've had Terry on. I'll probably have him on here, you know, in the near future. And uh, yeah, we we talk a lot about the recordings and the you know just how solid. Well, great, they're just solid albums, man. But you know, them last so, two records are great. Well, know, thank you very you much, were, man. I, I, you know, uh, we a lot of the um, the um, early you know the early Banshee fans, you know, were certainly uh, not expecting uh, Banshee to continue. And uh, and when they did, and uh, and then they heard the kind of direction we went in, which was more a continuation of the um, that first record, you know, the the, the EP, the Cry of the Night EP. Right. Um, I think people were were pleasantly surprised and and happy because it it kind of took the band back to, you know, that Cry of the Night EP. The band was kind of heavy, maidenish or whatever, and um, and then when they signed to Atlantic, the band kind of went far more commercial, you know, hair metal trying to please um, the powers that be at the label and whatnot. And um, we kind of took it back uh, when I joined the band in, into a, a heavier direction, a more, uh, you know, like a more Sabbathy priest infused version of the band than uh, had been the case prior, you know, prior to my joining. And, and uh, a lot of people were not only, um, you know, surprised, but, uh, happy. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I mean that, that first EP crying the night and, you know, and then you go to, um, Oh, help me out here. The, uh, it was a uh, race against time. Race against time. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like, it's like almost two different bands there. Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, and, um, you know, it ain't, but it, it sounds like two different bands. It really does. It was a, it seemed like a complete, um, about face, you know, uh, and it was, I mean, clearly it was a move to placate the powers to be at the label. Atlantic wanted hits, you know, they wanted a commercial hit maker. And, uh, you know, in with Banshee, they saw a bunch of pretty boys, you know, they all had the, the hair and the, the look and everything. And um, they wanted to kind of capitalize on that, on that. Um, unfortunately, it, um, it just, uh, I don't think Terry was happy with that direction or, He's expressed to me that he always wanted to kind of continue um, what they'd begun with the cry in the night style, and that much was clear because um, when I when I was uh, you know enticed to join the band, the, the demos that were presented to me were very much in the you know far heavier style than the Race Against Time or you know Through the Storm and uh, and where the band had gone with those records. So I mean, if, in fact, if the I think if they'd presented me some real commercial hair metal type stuff, I probably would have would have turned them down because it's not my thing. You know, I, I like the uh, I like more of the what what we're doing with Banshee presently. You know, the, the you know I'm a more traditional metaler 
um, less, uh, less the commercial metal, less, uh, so, um, I was really happy with that, that the songs that he had showed me and, uh, from, that made it onto my slave, you know, I was blown away in fact by those tunes. And, and I knew that I could, uh, deliver on my end, uh, because most of those songs, they didn't have lyrics or melodies. It was just the music. And so I came in and wrote the melodies for most of them and the lyrics for most of them as well. Terry had some melodies and some lyrics, but, uh, you know, we, we work well together and, uh, delivered two killer records, you know, yeah. and, uh, and look forward to doing the the next one. Oh yeah. Follow up for the madness. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to that. So now on to Aska, you know, you just recently did a show with Aska. Mm-hmm. How was that? Yeah. Man? Yeah. You probably ain't been getting, getting to do a whole lot of those right now. So I bet that felt pretty good, man. It, it felt great. And, uh, unfortunately it also kind of felt weird when we did the first one. Cause we've done two now since the pandemic, you know, since the, the virus uh, broke out and whatnot, as, as you may or may not know, or maybe your, your listeners may or may not know, um, you know, Texas is a, um, you know, it's always been one of those, uh, very, uh, independent street type states. And, um, we do, we have opened up under certain, certain circumstances and allowed for shows. And um, I think the the criteria is if a venue um, also serves food, um, they can do shows and whatnot, and they can open for business. And so a lot of uh, places that previously didn't have food kind of added it to the menu, <laughs> so that uh, so that they could have um, live shows. And that was the case with uh, with the venue in Dallas called Trees, where they. Kind of, I think they kind of brought in a, a food truck and whatnot, so they kind of skirt around the rules and uh, and, and start doing some shows again. And um, we did Dallas Power Fest 2 there with um, a complement of other bands, uh, Hellstar among them, you know, one of the more recognizable names there. And um, we... You know, the, we went and the, there was Infidel Rising as well, um, which is a, a new Pierce Steel signee. And we went and uh, we played that show, and uh, it was the first one back, and it felt kind of weird because, you know, the crowds were, I mean, there were, you know, there were a lot of uh, stipulations and regulations that they had to follow. Like you had to have a mask, if you weren't eating or sitting or drinking. If you're just like wandering to the club, you're supposed to wear a mask. You're supposed to socially distance. They had tables on the floor so that uh, people could be at tables instead of kind of just filling in the floor area. And, uh, you know, with all that kind of thing, it, it seemed like it kind of stifles the mood, you know, the, uh, the reaction of the people. But nonetheless, it was fun. It was a good time. And uh, we did it again. Uh, I think a month, the following month, um, either a month or two later, we did it again. And we did a show in a place called Mavericks in Arlington, Texas, and um, where Aska played with some killer bands, uh, Siege Hammer and some other bands there. Um, and uh, this time the show, the, the mood was far different. You know, I think people were more kind of like, now a little more accustomed to getting back out and um, being doing this kind of thing, you know, where it didn't feel weird, you know. Right. But I mean, I, I think I think people still 
you know, people are still kind of iffy about the whole thing because, you know, you've got uh, mixed messages. You've got, uh, you know, the the national uh, news media and the health centers saying one thing and they change their stance pretty much um, every other day, every week. It's something they wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear two masks, you know, wear, no, you're fine, you're uh, locked down for two weeks, not locked down for three months, don't do this, don't, you know, it's it's just such a contradiction in terms that, <laughs> you know, it, it kind of leaves a lot of people feeling like, well, what, what the hell, what are we supposed to do here, you know? Right. And um, so people kind of just kind of fly by see their pants or take their own initiative and lead and do what they want and say, you know, fuck it, you know, all these, <laughs> all these rules be damned, we're going to do what we want to do, you know, but, but still, you know, in the back of your head, you're kind of like, man, you know, what if the cops come out here? Are they going to shut us down? Uh, and, and what if you do get sick? You know, what if somebody gets, you know, it's like, you know, you, you just wonder, but, um, you know, the bottom line, I think, um, the pandemic, the, the entire, the virulence or the, uh, certainly the mortality of this virus has been oversold just a bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we're, uh, we're what, almost a year into this thing here. I mean, we started the lockdowns last March, if you recall. And, um, you know, March 2020 is when the whole, uh, lockdowns began. Here we are, February 2021. We're almost a year into this. We still have uh, a degree of lockdown. And in that entire year, I've not, um, I guess, I've not had any person, any close relatives or any dear friends succumb to this illness, you know, to the, the COVID-19. I do, we have had some, I've had some fans die. I've had a fan die for sure. One fan for sure that I know that I knew of. And, um, a guy that played in a band that I knew that died. Um, but, uh, I said, yeah, man, I'm thinking two people and I know a lot of people. I've, I've toured 60 countries, met people all over the world. So knowing, you know, two actual people that have died in a, almost a year, you know, shit, man, I've known far more people that died of, of other things <laughs> than of this deadly pandemic virus that shut down the entire world. Yeah. I think it's a bit of an over, a bit of an overreaction if you ask me, but you know, whatever I played ball, right. I wear my mask. I do what they, what they ask, uh, with as little fuss as possible. I, you know, I have, uh, you know, bucked up and, and got really frustrated with things at, at times, but um, for the most part, you know, follow the rules and whatnot. But uh, yeah, we do what we got to do, right? You know, we got we do what we got to do. But it seems, yeah. you know, yeah, it seems like a, a drastic, extreme overreaction, and um, it, it really just makes you question everything. So I was going to ask you too. I didn't mean to stop you, but uh, I wanted to ask yeah, you. No, no. You know, I know you're a guitar player too. Um, were you a mm -hmm. guitar player before you were a vocalist, or were you, did you always know? <laughs> did you always know you were no, going to go to the the vocal part of the whole deal, or what? You know, I am. I, um, I was always a guitar player first, and um, and I always thought that yeah, I could be a vocalist. But um, I remember one time recording myself and listening back. And I thought, okay, I sang that really well. 
was, in fact, I was singing Elton John. <laughs> I was doing an Elton John song, and I just kind of recorded myself singing it and listened back to it. And I was horrified by what I heard on the tape. So I was like, oh, well, forget that then. I'm not a singer. I'll, I'll stick to the guitar. And um, so I just played guitar. And uh, later, you know, in my high school bands, uh, you know, we had the, the toughest time finding, you know, singers that were worth their salt, you know, or their weight in gold or anything. And uh, they weren't much better than what I thought I was. So my, uh, my guitar player at the time, Darren Knapp, who would co-founded ASCA with me years later, he was telling me, man, dude, you just sing for now until we find a, a worthwhile singer, you know, somebody that's legitimate that can do it, and uh, and we should be fine. And uh, so I did that, and I sang in my high school band. I don't, I don't think I was particularly good. I was okay. I was passable, but I wasn't great or outstanding or anything that would turn anybody's head by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, years later, we graduated high school. We left the, the, the canal zone and we started, you know, our band in the state. We started ASCA, Darren and I. And uh, again, we were in the same, had the same dilemma, you know, having a hard time finding singers. We finally found a guy um, and he didn't, uh, he didn't lie. He quit after a year. You know, he, he started laying all these terms of, you know, what he expected, what we had to do if he was going to stay in the band. And we're like, man, we're not going to play that, dude. Either be in the band or, you know, see you later. And uh, so we decided we split ways with that guy after a year and uh, just had the, the hardest time finding singers. So once again, Darren's like, dude, you're a good singer. You sing. And I was like, no, man, dude, I can't do it. And he insisted, he insisted, he insisted. So um, kind of um, at his insistence, I began singing for Aska. And, um, but because I wasn't anything special and because we loved bands like Kiss and the Beatles, you know, bands that had multiple singers, you know, um, or not just one guy, that was, not bands that had a lead singer, but bands that had, multiple guys in the band that would carry the lead vocal. Mm -hmm. We, we kind of liked it. You know, Blue Oyster Cult did that. Right. Um, Kiss did it. Uh, the Beatles did it. I mean, several bands over the years. Uh, Ten Nugent did it. He used to have a, himself and a vocalist. So um, we, we kind of, we went that route. So I would sing, I'd say the lion's share, and then Darren would sing a few songs, and uh, a bass player, ask a bass player, Keith Knight would sing a few songs. And, um, and that's how it went, um, just until about um, we did our third album in '97, which was the Nine Tongues album, and, and we did it that you know that way with three singers. We put it out, and when the reviews came in, this was our our most reviewed album. And when they the reviews started coming, in, almost unanimously, they were saying, "Wow, man, we really love these songs." And, uh, but not so much these and the ones that they seemed to all love were the ones that I was singing and the ones they hated, you know, and, and, and certainly the ones they, they just destroyed. They, I mean, they hated with a passion. They were like, what are these songs doing on the record? These songs don't seem to fit. These are terrible. And this would have been a better record if they left these songs off. And it was the ones that they sang. Right. And, um, so we started thinking, man, maybe there's maybe there's something to what they're saying you know um maybe we should just 
the next record, which was to be you know, Avenger, which was the next one, we were like, maybe I should just sing them all and then see if they like that better and and um, see if that gets us uh, more notoriety or, you know, uh, has a greater impact. And um, so we we did that as an experiment. Um, and I sang all the songs on Avenger with um, the concession being that, um, you know, that I would do a duet on one of the songs on Valkyries. Darren and I split the vocal and uh, sang it kind of as a duet. And sure enough, the reviews were the best of our career, you know, to that point. It was, um, everybody's like, wow, this band is great. And then, you know, we were in the Hard Rock magazine in Germany. We were on the, and the magazine is one of the bands to watch for. And, um, you know, I mean, just all, you know, Europe-wide, across America, everybody seemed to really like Avenger. And we chalked it up to, you know, the, the unified direction. And whereas before we were kind of, you know, you couldn't tell who we were because you had three different singers. But um, when I just took over the vocals, you know, it, it kind of gave the band a, a, a unified sound, you know. You could you could um, recognize us now based on, because, you know, my vocal was the same throughout. So I just went from there and I, and, um, I got stronger and stronger as a singer, you know, as the releases went and, uh, to the point where, you know, I guess I think I kind of figured out that, you know, that I, I got my shit together and I mean, that I was, uh, you know, worthwhile singer when I had, you know, all these bands chasing me down to sing for them. <laughs> right. You know, where we went from, you know, looking for singers now suddenly I was the guy that was being headhunted, you know. <laughs> I had, you know, bands she trying to give me the, you know, clothes off. I mean, all these bands. And I'm not, you know, not just the ones I joined. You know, I, I sang for uh, uh, Mick Servino, who was, who was uh, Ingve Malmsteen's uh, bass player. Uh, he was also in Blackmore's Night with Richie Blackmore. I mean, you know, a guy playing in, with, you know, Blackmore and Malmsteen, and then, you know, recruited me to sing for his band. So I mean, clearly I was in in demand, so to speak. Yeah. And you were and, an, um, you were an omen for a while too. I was an omen. Yeah, I, I got in in that band. Um, I, and so you know, and, and bands were asking me to guest on their record. I mean, none of these these things had happened to me before, you know. And all of a sudden, everybody was after me. You know, Warren and Axe Viper and Emerald from Switzerland and. You know, all the Axe Viper from Germany. I'm sorry, Axe Viper from Italy and War Cry from Germany. You know, Warian from Singapore. I mean, bands from all over the world were hitting me up. I got, um, there was a a band in the Middle East that asked me to sing for them. (laughs) You know, um, so it it was, um, at at that point, I kind of figured, I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Yep. This is my my job now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, but, um, you know, I, Aska remains the only band that I sing and play guitar for because I started as a guitar player. The other bands that were recruiting me typically had guitar players, and they weren't recruiting me for my guitar playing ability. They were recruiting me for my, you know, my singing, my songwriting ability, my singing, my melodies, whatever. Right. And um, and so I figured, you know, why complicate life? You know, and so if I all the other bands that I'm in, I sing. 
and Aska will remain the only band that I play guitar and sing for. You know, and we did at one point try to, uh, I tried to turn Aska into five piece where I would just sing, you know, because I, I was enjoying it with the other bands. And uh, it just, it didn't work. It, it kind of lost the, the, the dynamic, you know, was gone. Uh, you know, Aska works better with me on the guitar in that band. Um, and so, but, um, but with the other bands, I, I, I'm adamant that I just sing for them. Right and that, that always, so whenever you see a picture of me on stage somewhere with a guitar, you know, even though I'm in multiple bands, if you see me on stage with a guitar, you know, 100%, that's an ASCA picture. Right, that was right. taken at an ASCA <laughs> show. And if you just see me with a mic, then you can pretty much guess that it was one of the other bands. That's good. Banshee or Clubhouse or Omen or something else. But, um, and so that's how I came about. So, yeah, man, a uh, great question because, um, rarely uh, do I get asked that, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and it is, um, you know, quite a, quite an important piece of thing because I, I never considered myself a vocalist initially or originally, but, uh, I, I thought I was a, you know, a cool, a good guitar player, but it, it went that, um, my, my singing has far overshadowed my uh, worth as a guitar player to all these bands. Nobody's asking me to play guitar yet. Everybody wants me to sing for them. <laughs> that's not a bad, that's not a bad problem to have. I mean, <laughs> not, yeah, that's not bad. Not bad at all. You know? <laughs> so, uh, you, uh, do you have a particular guitar player that you looked up to growing up? Yeah. Well, I, I have a, a band that I looked up to and that was kiss. And so the guitar player would, you know, by default, as far as the lead guitar player, would be Ace Fraley. You know, I loved Ace. I loved Kiss. I loved all those guys and what they were doing. And, I mean, I was the I was the kind of Kiss fan that would sit at the bike rack, you know, after lunchtime, you know, between classes or whatever with the other guys and, and get into uh, arguments with the other guys that Kiss was better had better musicians than Rush. <laughs> you know, as, as silly as that sounds now to say, you know, I mean, clearly the Rush guys could play circles around Kiss, but, um, you know, my, my fervor, my love for the, for, um, for that band was to such a degree that I was, you know, the love was blind, you know, <laughs> I, I, I was, I was hearing with my eyes, you know, I, I love. I was enamored with the makeup. I just thought that band was great. I loved their songs and everything. And so, and I saw that they were, you know, they were passionate about their playing. I mean, if you watch, uh, you know, early um, Kiss videos, if you see Peter Chris playing, I mean, he may not have been Neil Peart technically, but goddamn, that dude put a, a lot of heart into his playing. You yes, know? he did. Yes, he did. He, he was just like on fire back there, and. Uh, and so was the rest of the band, for that matter, you know. Ace with his smoking guitar, and, you know, Paul with his moves, and his, uh, you know, his um, uh, his Who-inspired uh, guitar windmills, and Gene with the blood spinning in the fire. I mean, I was just, I was taken with that entire spectacle. And, in fact, seeing that band, not only did they become my heroes instantly, but they changed the course of my life because, um, up until I heard and saw Kiss, you know, the pictures of when I, I didn't see them in concert till years after the fact. So I lived in the States, but um, when I 
heard that band and saw their image and um, and and read up on them and everything, you know, up until that point, I wanted to be an astronaut and, uh, you know, whatever the usual things that kids all want to be when they grow up. You know, I want to be an astronaut. Right, absolutely. <laughs> and then, uh, then I saw Kiss, and I was like, "Oh my God, I want to! I want to play music. I want to! I want to be a musician. I want to be! I want to be Kiss. You know, I want to be like these guys, or, or follow that route." And I, I never changed course. I was with me, you know, from that point on, and it became my life's mission to learn how to play, to join a band, and uh, I started doing that right, you know, right from the onset. As soon as I was in high school, I had several high school bands, and continued on after high school, and. Uh, and do it to this day. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to start touring in 92 before, basically before anybody really knew who Aska was, we were, um, you know, we just had one album out at that point. We had already started touring the world, you know, doing uh, contract work for the U S military, you know, uh, for the department of defense and the USO playing for a military, um, personnel stationed overseas at, you know, location, hardship locations, you know, the battle locations right. around the world. I mean, my first international tour was right into the heart of uh, Saudi Arabia and Bahrain and, wow. um, you know, all that, you know, those, these danger zones, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it didn't stop. We did that for eight years, man. Um, wow. and released albums throughout and just, we would, we would do album and then tour cycle. We'd, we'd go out for two to three tours a year do an album and then uh, go out for the next you know year or two doing two, three years of tours and then do an album and, and repeat you know, for eight years. Um, so uh, it stopped us from being uh, better known in the civilian circuit, but on that military tour circuit, man, we were, everybody knew who we were. That's great. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately it predated uh, social media. So we didn't get to take advantage of the, you know, of all that. Oh, sign on to our, go to our Facebook and uh, give us a like or watch our, you know, it predated that kind of stuff. So um, we didn't get to take advantage of that, you know, but right. uh, we still, to this day, we have so many fans and friends that we met um, during those early periods touring for the military, right. you know, playing in Korea, Japan, Australia, Singapore, um, Guam, you know, you name it. Dude, we were there. That's killer, there, man. Yeah, Plus, I, you know, you got, well, to, you got to see the world, too, at the same time, man. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. On the back of a guitar, you know. Guitar strapped to our back. We got to see the world. And um, it's like um, I, it was, I was able to shut my mom. Out, oh, you, you know, rock and roll. Forget that. That, that doesn't lead you anywhere. I said, well, it's led me to 60-plus countries. So far, <laughs> you know, that I didn't have to pay for it. You know, I didn't have to pay for it out of pocket. You know, I was paid to go to those countries and play and perform for them. So, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy, you know, no regrets. Right on. <laughs> so, Hey, I was going to advertise a little bit here for you. So and correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong on any of these. So askaband.net, correct? You know, yes. Uh, under normal circumstances, but, uh, we, I think we lost that domain name. All right, and um, there and uh, we don't at, at present. The official website is down until we get a new domain name, and um, so for now you can just you can go on, uh, you know, Facebook.com. Uh, you know, if you go to Facebook and put Ask a DFW. All right, and the DFW means Dallas Fort Worth. You know, so Ask a DFW, and and it takes you to our 
our Facebook site. So, uh, uh, the the uh, official website's down until further notice, but uh, okay. we are in the process of getting it back up. Right on. And then BansheeRocks.com, I think that one's still up there. Yep. And, yep. Uh, and I, you know, you can find Cloven Hoof on Facebook as well. As well, yes. Yeah. You know, and um, so, um, I mean, there is an internet presence for all the bands. And um, and you can also, you know, find us individually. I, I'm on there, uh, George, George.call.71 on Facebook. Um, you know, I've got an Instagram, but I don't use it. Twitter, I don't use it. I gave those up, you know. I, I, uh, once the social media started purging people and, um, censoring folks, I just, I figured, okay, I'm just not going to play their game. I'm not using any of their sites except one because I'm not, you know, they're not going to beat me. I'm going to use them as as much as they're trying to use me, you know what I mean? There you go. So I, I maintain one, I keep one, but it serves my purposes. And then the other ones that they would like for me to have, sorry, not having them, not using them, not logging in, not posting anything to them. And, um, you know, just, they're there to maintain a minimal presence, but uh, the only one I'm actually active on is Facebook. Right on. Well, George, man, it's been great talking to you, man. I really appreciate your time tonight. Hey, man, it's a pleasure, Bobby, and um, I appreciate you uh, reaching out. And, uh, you know, um, I hope that uh, I, I managed to answer all your questions there as succinctly as possible. And I encourage your uh, listeners to uh, keep supporting true and traditional heavy metal, man, because without them, we couldn't uh, continue to do it, what we do um, and have it be as fun or as cool, you know, or as, as uh, lucrative. You know, especially now with uh, COVID having shut everything down for a year, it's been a it's been a bitch for especially you know for touring and for live and all that stuff. Right. Um, thankfully, we did manage to uh, hunker down and, and whip out a new Asker record. We recorded a new Asker record in the in that COVID shutdown time. So our our seventh album will be out this year, um, probably in the summer or, you know, early fall. And your, your last one was fire eater. Is that the, the last one you guys did? Yes, sir. Right fire on. eater. Fire eater. That's a great mm-hmm. album. But uh, thank you. Well, George, has been it, awesome, you know. man. I really appreciate well, you, brother. Well, thanks for talking to me, man. And, um, you know, uh, keep in metal and look forward to talking to you again in the future. Absolutely, man. We get these new records out, man. These ask on um, Banshee and all that stuff. We'll have to have you back on. Well, I appreciate it. I'd be happy to come back. All right, George, you have a great night. Take care, brother. You too, Bobby. Be good. Bye-bye. Bye. That concludes today's episode of the Metal Bob Live podcast. Please go to our website for our sponsor links. Thank you for listening. Metal Bob out.